and welcome to the Scriptures for Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have really touched us or have been applicable to us or become real in some way so we can draw more power out of the scriptures because we need that power. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and I'm so excited to have back with us an, an earlier guest, Samantha Milburn, who uh, is uh, an editor, I think the head editor at Covenant Communications, and we introduced her before and I talked about how wonderful she is to work with and how she makes all the stuff I do better and just what a great person she is. And so I, I'd encourage you to go back and talk uh, or listen to that uh, episode where we talked about Moses not going into the promised land. Uh, just a great episode, but we're happy to have Sam back. So welcome, Sam. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, is there anything you'd like to remind the audience of or just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself quickly or... Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing is that I love the gospel. I love, I love talking about it and I'm excited to dive in. Let's, let's dive in then. So, uh, today Sam and I are going to talk about Isaiah's call in Isaiah chapter six. There are some things about uh, that, that particularly speak to Sam and I'm excited to learn uh, what they are. So why don't you take us through, uh, whatever elements of that chapter you'd like to talk about. Great. Um, there are, there's so many different things about this chapter, um, that, that I have read, that I've heard, um, but years ago, and honestly, I, I can't even remember when it was, um, I heard, I heard, a, an interpretation of this chapter that just struck me and, um, and I think about it all the time because it's something that I deal with every single week it's the sacrament every Sunday um and and so that's what I want to talk about more than anything else um this time but but before that like like you said like this is Isaiah's call um to be a prophet which I think is is incredible that we have this um this recording of it from his perspective, like how, how he was called of God from his perspective, um, because he sees God, um, at a very critical time in his life and in the, the country, the area where he's living, um, in their lives because their King has just died. And he's been the king for for years, for decades, and <clears throat> has been a very consistent ruler. They know what they know what to expect. They're all fairly happy under his rule, and now now he's gone, right? And so they're saying, "What what do we do now? Like this is all we've known." And um, and so in that respect, in a political, in a in a very real everyday sense. Um, this is a cool chapter because Heavenly Father is saying, hey, remember me? I'm on the <laughs> throne. <laughs> like it, he was a king and he was a great king. But remember who's really king? Remember who's sitting on the throne? I am. You're going to be okay. You know, that so is so that. fantastic. You know, I, I've never thought of it and I don't know why. I mean, I've thought about Uzziah's reign, one of the longest, most prosperous reigns, and Isaiah starting there. And I've just never put two and two together, this throne scene and the death of Uzziah and 
the turmoil that you're describing. What what a fantastic insight. Yeah, I just it's just a really good reminder. Like it, we have we have a lot of politics in our lives, especially right now for us. You know, it's it's really in your face whether you want it or not. And it's just a great reminder to read Isaiah six and just say, God is overall. God is the real governor. And so if we're following him, if we're doing what he asks, if we remember that he is the one at the head of the government, he's the one on the throne, we're going to be just fine. That's so, good. Yeah. That's um, good. So, so that is, that's one of the things that, um, that really hits me about, about this chapter is that Isaiah is getting his call, but he's also getting the reminder about about life <laughs> everything's fine um and and just how unworthy he feels which i i mean we can go back to so many different prophets and they all feel the same they all they all get their call and and they all say why me i'm not i can't do i can't speak i can't um, I can't lead these people. I can't do this, that, or the other. And God says, no, but I can. Um, and again, I, I talked about this when we talked about Deuteronomy. It's the same for us. Like everything that applies to the prophets applies to us. God doesn't hold special blessings for them um, that he's not going to give to us. We are all his children and we all have the opportunity to have everything he has and so every time we see something happen to a prophet in the scriptures that applies to us we have that same opportunity so in this chapter we see God saying Isaiah you you have this opportunity to be an instrument in my hands and Isaiah in verse 5 is saying woe is me for I am undone I am a man of unclean lips and, and God's saying, don't worry. Remember, remember Christ, remember the atonement. I can clean you. I can prepare you. I can qualify you for the work. And he does. Um, we have that same opportunity. Um, so, so I want to jump into this chapter with, with the insight that I told you about at the beginning because it's just such an amazing insight. And I um, I truly believe that Isaiah's words can be taken in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, I think he intended for us to. Yeah. So I, I see a lot the history and the cultural meanings. Um, but honestly, uh, one of my favorite things about Isaiah is that uh, Christ himself says in third Nephi 23, you ought to search these things. Yea, commandment I give unto you that ye search these things diligently for great are the words of Isaiah, right? So he's telling us we need to study these things. Why? Because as Nephi says that we can liken his words unto us. And, and I, I fully believe that I remember, um, studying Isaiah for the first time 
Um, and, and I was listening to a talk on CD by Alonzo Gaskill and, um, and he opened these, these passages of Isaiah to my mind. I thought, wow, wow, that's really cool. Like all I hear all my life is, oh, Isaiah, oh, oh, we're in the Isaiah chapters now. Oh man, can we just skip Isaiah? Everybody in church, we get into Sunday school. Can we skip Isaiah? Can we skip the, you know, and I'm always like, guys, why? Like why perpetuate that belief? Why perpetuate that culture of wanting to skip one of the only prophets that Jesus Christ himself commanded us to study? Why do we have that in our culture? Like, I don't understand it because we have the ability to understand these words. Christ himself said that we would be able to. And, and when I was listening to that talk on CD, I thought, this is how, because we have the Alonzo Gaskells of the world and we have the Carrie Mulesteins of the world who go and understand this and bring it back from their cultural standpoint and from their historical standpoint and bring it back to us. You know, we have all of those, all of the books that, that you guys have painstakingly written and, and researched and, and then you bring it back to us. I don't think that's by coincidence or by some hobby of yours or by some, you know, random passion. Like these are fulfillments of God's prophecy that we would be able to understand these words in our day we have tools. And, and so when, when we get to the Isaiah chapters and we say, Oh, Isaiah, we are setting aside what God said could happen that we would be able to understand them. Like, I'm not saying we're just going to open Isaiah and, and say like, Oh yeah, I get this now it's 2022. We're good to go. You know, we, yeah. we have to put in some work, but but the tools are there. They're so plentiful now. You walk into the bookstore and you can see like a seagull book, a desert book. You can see all the different resources you have to understand Isaiah. Yeah, I think this year we have uh, online all sorts of things available as well. Uh, just yeah. more than ever before. Yeah. It's it, these are fulfillments of these prophecies that I just read from third Nephi and second Nephi. There is a way for us to understand them. So gone are the days when we can say, oh, Isaiah, those those days are gone. <laughs> like we can understand Isaiah and we can love it. You make um, me happy. You make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, OK, so. um. I just want to put a, a picture in everybody's minds, okay? So I'm going to read these verses and um, and just put in different little images to to paint the picture of of how cool I think this chapter is. Uh, so I'm going to start in um, well in verse one. So in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. So if we, if we are sitting 
in a chapel in church. Okay. So put yourself in a pew and then you're looking forward and you have Christ sitting up on the stand. Okay. That's verse one. Christ is sitting on the stand, looking down at us in the chapel in our pew. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face, and with twain, he covered his feet, and with twain, he did fly. So um, so these seraphims are sitting off to the side, a little bit um, behind Christ, and... Um, and let's say that they are the priests sitting at the sacrament table, okay? They are cloaked in the the power of the priesthood, the authority of the priesthood, okay? And um, and they are ready to move, okay? They're ready to fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I'm going to combine these two. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, so when we're getting ready to do the sacrament, what do we do with the doors of the chapel? We close them, right? Yeah, yeah. So the posts of the door moved, so they closed the doors, and um, and one of the seraphims or one of the priests says holy 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 well we know um from studying culture and history that the three holies are are especially called out and that's a very um sacred calling out right because it's repeated three times so what is the sacred thing they're calling out the sacrament prayers right and so the whole earth is filled with his glory and we have the house filling with smoke and what could be the smoke the holy ghost right so we've got we've got our chapel the doors are closed the spirit is just infused into that room and we hear the sacrament prayers being given one of the most holy things we do in our week. <clears throat> and here That's we are sitting in the pew and we say, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So here we are looking at ourselves and looking around and being like, I don't, I don't see anybody else flying up to the celestial kingdom. So we're all, we're all undone here, right? We're all a, a, a room full of people who need cleansing, yeah. who need the atonement. Yeah. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. So then we have the deacons, right, coming down and um, and they have a live coal in their hands. Well, what is that live coal? It's the bread and the water, right? And they And they give it to us from off the altar. So they've taken it from off the sacrament table, brought it to us. 
and and their tongs are the sacrament tray right so they they pass that to us and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged so through the atonement we put that bread and that water to our lips and our sins are taken away every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, we have that live coal put to our lips and we have the opportunity to be purged, to have those sins purged and be clean again because That's of beautiful. the atonement. It is such a beautiful thought. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it just it just is so powerful to me. Um, again, like I don't know if I I do believe Isaiah was thinking this. Um, I do believe that Isaiah saw our times. I believe he saw a sacrament meeting. I believe that he, um, uh, I believe that he knew of the sacrament and uh it just is really powerful to me to to see this from his eyes you know like he uh he didn't know what a train was he didn't know what a car was but he he explained those things in his own words you know um he didn't know what the sacrament was per se but but he knew what the atonement was and he knew what the live coals from his altar were. And, and so he's describing the sacrament in the best way he can um, from his words and his time. And, um, and then he says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. So every week when we take the sacrament and we're given that chance to cleanse ourselves and we feel that spirit that is just, I, there are weeks, I guarantee the spirit fills the chapel every single week. I guarantee he does. It is, like I said, the most holy act we can do in our week. So why wouldn't he be there? Now, whether we well, feel he's promised to be there right right whether we feel him or not is up to us but i guarantee he's there every week so every week we have maybe, that maybe i'll just add also it's up to the, the timing of the lord right so the spirit will be there and sometimes we're not prepared sometimes we may be prepared but the lord is still going to say okay well i'm i'm going to touch you at this time a little later because that's when you're going to right so uh, there's us, there's the Lord, uh, all sorts of things. But I think you're right that in in general, if we're prepared, the Spirit's going to teach us something. Uh, I, I think it will be the rare exception, though. There will be exceptions, but the rare exception, it doesn't if we're prepared. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I completely agree. But I interrupted um, you. Sorry, keep going. No, no, you're fine. Um, So when we feel the Spirit one of the first things that that we want to do is share that experience right well that was so cool and then what do we do we go to our spouse we go to our parents we go to our friend whoever our 
whoever our faith friend is, um, we, we go to, and we say, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me. You know, we tell them our experience. Well, here's Isaiah having this incredible experience and heavenly father says, can you go share me with the world? Can you go share my gospel with the world? And he says, man, if it feels like this, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And so I, I think that, um, I think we have that opportunity to do the same thing, to fill the spirit and then to go out and, and say, here am I send me. Sometimes it's going to be as traditional missionary work where we're finding somebody at, at work or in the mission field or um, in the grocery store, and we're actually sharing the gospel with them. Sometimes it's going to be our siblings or our parents who we're sharing this gospel with. Sometimes it's going to be our kids who we're sharing this gospel with. Each of us has the opportunity to share the gospel in our own capacity. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be with a name tag and knocking on people's doors. You know, it can be that um, today I go out. um, So I have five little kids and today it might go out. I might go out and I might just tell them, you know, mommy loves you. And in that way um, I'm, I'm allowing them to feel love. And I truly believe that it is, it is Christ's love and I'm allowing them to feel that love. You know, that could be my, my one act of missionary service today. Yeah. And, and it could be you, you go in your weeding uh, a widow's uh, yard or you're, uh, you're bringing a meal to someone in need, or you're the one who's asked to cook at young women's camp so that the young women can be doing this other thing. To bring. But all of those are ways of being sent by the Lord. Exactly. Exactly. Like we, we just have to take our, our, our life circumstances, our church callings, our desires for the gospel and say, how can I use that today? Whatever it is. And in that way, we are answering God's call. Whom will I send? Well, me, I'm the one who's assigned to clean the church this week. I'm the one who's assigned to to give the talk next Sunday. You know, I'm the one who's assigned to be in the nursery. I'm the one who's assigned to bring this meal to the funeral. I'm the one who's assigned to these people for a ministering brother. Whatever it is. Set up chairs, take down chairs. Yeah, right. whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Um. That's so, uh, so we just, I mean, every Sunday we take the sacrament we're cleansed and then we go out that week and we do everything we can to be the one to say here am i send me like that's our that's our call <laughs> great stuff and and i love what you're doing here because you're showing us both the layers of isaiah and the layers of symbols that god uses uh in in a really powerful way because i think isaiah actually had this experience right i, I think he saw god and he was in the temple that was modeled after the temple Isaiah was used to, right? The the temple of Solomon. He, he's seen him in a, uh, a a heavenly setting that is somewhat reflective and understandable to him because it mirrors the earthly setting he's in. And he has this real experience where he is really called 
and he really does say, and he's purged, and he really does say, uh, here am I, send me. And yet God sets this up in a way that Isaiah can represent all of us in a way. And that's that happens in temples, right? We, one person or one group of people is set up to represent everybody. And we all have to identify ourselves with them and see how what they're going through translates into what we're going through. And I think that's exactly what you're telling. And so you really, I mean, this was already a temple text, but you've kind of like quadrupled it being a temple text because <laughs> uh, now as Isaiah is having his temple experience, we see him representing us and we see how it can translate one way it can translate into our lives. There are other ways, I'm sure. But this is one regular recurring way that this translates into our lives that I think you're right. Isaiah could understand. So he's writing about what happened to him, but in a way that it can mean us and mean us regularly at our own ordinances and covenant renewals. And uh, I, I, that's those are the layers of Isaiah. Those are the layers of temple symbolism. That's just such a fantastic thing to find ourselves in there. And to find ourselves there again and again weekly, as you say, and then to have that, hopefully this can be become a way that we all think of ourselves as someone who says weekly and daily, here am I, send me. I, I, you just made this so powerful for me. And, and uh, uh, it's not only been powerful because of what it's about, but it also helps us. Uh, it's a great exercise in helping us how to, to use Isaiah. Uh, and and the way that Isaiah can apply in so many ways. That's just powerful stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I there is a reason why Christ wants us to study Isaiah. Like there he he knew, like he knew the messages for us that we can find. Yeah. And and I mean one thing I, I, that I think we sometimes forget is that while we're all unique individuals in general, we're all going through the same thing. And there's a shared humanity uh, that there are shared needs, right? We all have left God's presence. We're all trying to get back to God's presence. And my trial may be different than your trial. And my shortcoming may be different than yours. And the uncleanness of my lips may be different than the uncleanness of your lips. But in general, we're all doing the same thing. And so Isaiah can represent us all. We can represent each other. Uh, when we read about what Judah is going through in Isaiah, that can represent us. The daughters of Zion can represent all of us. Moab can represent all. Uh, it's There's a shared humanity here that Isaiah addresses, and we should be able to find that, that element that, uh, you know, I may not be in Moab when a city is destroyed, and I'm howling so loud they can hear it 30 miles away, but uh I have something in my life where it feels like the city's been destroyed and I I'm going to howl because it's so painful and so terrible. And uh, it, when we can find those shared elements, and I do think Isaiah writes that way and, and figure out how whatever he's writing about and the image he's giving us, how that applies to us, then he becomes so much more powerful. And, and uh, wow, I've never thought of this way, but thank you for that. Yeah. No, it's just it's just fun um to look at these verses. Um I always I always think of Nephi. I will liken his words unto me, unto my people, he says. Um and how excited he is about it. And then yeah. 
And then as you get into it, you think, wow, this is exciting. Like, look, I can, I can totally see something I do every single week in this chapter, like every single week. That's exciting. (laughs) It is. It is. And your (laughs) Nephi reference is all the better uh, because Nephi in that chapter is, is talking specifically about taking Isaiah and applying it to anyone who is of the covenant. And here we are taking Isaiah and applying it to our covenant renewal, right? So, I, I mean, this, I think you're you're dead on. That's exactly the kind of thing Nephi is wanting to have happen, is uh, look at how Isaiah writes about the covenant. You're of the covenant. Figure out how this applies to you. And here we are doing that together. Uh, Isaiah and Nephi and Christ would all be happy about this conversation, I think. So. And all right. <laughs> Um, which I think is very fitting if you if you continue down into the chapter in verses um, 9 and 10, um, they say, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the hearts of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and convert, and be healed. Like you read those verses and you think God's saying, like, make sure these people don't understand. (laughs) But no, what he's saying is teach these people in a way that if they're not ready to understand, they won't. But if they are prepared, they will. Their ears will be open. Their hearts will be open. Their eyes will be open. And they will understand this. And so um, as we talk about that, the understanding and likening it to us, like, who are we? Are we the ones who are not going to understand these words because we're closing our eyes, because we're closing our hearts and our ears? It's just too hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the cultural belief, like these, this is, this is the culture Isaiah is too hard. I can't understand it. Like these verses are about that. But what Christ is really saying is if they want to, they can open their hearts. They can open their eyes and their ears to understand this stuff. So teach them in a way that they can understand it if they choose to. And, and those are powerful verses to me too, because again, like that's our invitation. I, we get two invitations. Who shall I send? Me. Who's going to open their eyes and ears and hearts? Me. Like I want to. <laughs> um, and so, and, and if we do, we can liken these words to us. That's so wonderful and powerful as well. And, you know, it's interesting to me because uh, in Matthew 13, when the Savior starts teaching in parables and his disciples ask him, why are you teaching in parables? He quotes these verses. Right. Now, that's interesting that he quotes these verses because he is Jehovah, right? So he's the one who gave these verses. So you yeah. get his own commentary on himself there. <laughs> right. um, and and he tells us exactly what you're saying. Well, some people aren't going to understand because they, they're not ready. And then I don't want them to understand. But some who are ready and are willing to pay the price will understand and then we want to understand uh, i mean i'm definitely paraphrasing the savior there but that's basically <laughs> what he says and uh and i think you're right this is jehovah or jesus christ himself telling us pay the price 
put the effort in to study this. And this is one of the things I always say, slow down when you study Isaiah. Don't expect to read this like you read a narrative chapter, right? This is not the story of, of uh, hailstones coming and killing an army. And you can just read it and, and, and understand that and keep going. This is heavy stuff uh, written very carefully. So slow down, pay that price. You can do a lot of that research uh, on your own online, or you can turn to commentaries where some of the research has been done for you. Uh, but if you're willing to, to kind of slow down and, and pay the price, then there are things that will unfold to you. And every single time you read it, a different thing will unfold to you and you'll see it applying to you a different way. Uh, and that's that's the value of something that's written so carefully mm-hmm. is it can have a thousand meanings and we need all thousand of them. But the the flip side of that coin is that that means it's not none of those meanings are going to come easy. Uh, they, they, they require a little bit of effort, but then it just keeps giving, right? This is a gift. Isaiah is the gift that just keeps giving. Uh, and so I can't even think of what that's uh, commercial that actually is. But anyway, okay. uh, but but uh, he is the, the gift that just keeps giving. And I, uh, you've you're I, I like wholeheartedly endorse what you've said about these last set of verses it just with all my heart. You said yeah. it so well. Yeah. Um, and just to, to cap it all off, um, Isaiah says in verse 11, then said, I, Lord, how long, how long do I do this? How long do I go out there and preach and teach? And he answered until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Um, so how long, how long do we, do we try? How long do we teach the gospel? How long do we fulfill our calling? How long do we um, repeat ourselves 50 times to our kid who just keeps doing the same thing over and over again? I can tell there's absolutely no hope left in this world. You know, like you just keep going. You just endure to the end. And that's what Christ is saying right here. Endure to the end. There, there is no like, oh yeah, 20 more years and then you're set. (laughs) 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 This is, you have to do it forevermore. And for Isaiah, there's a literal fulfillment. Like that really does happen in the land. And yet there's always this hope, right? So, and I agree with you until there's no hope. And yet even then there will still be hope. Right. because of that that last verse right and maybe you're going here i don't mean to take oh, away go ahead. Go uh, ahead. from what you're saying but but that's when he says that, that, that he'll preserve a tent and it will return and it will be eaten and, and so on but uh it, it, let's just jump to the last part there so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof right that he will leave a part left and start over and keep keep going uh and so even when it feels like there's no hope there is hope. And, and in some ways, it's intentionally that way, because, I mean, let's think of Israel as a whole and then think of us as Israelite individuals. Israel as a whole, God wipes out everyone who is not. Well, God doesn't. He allows the Assyrians, right. um, uh, but they are accomplishing what needs to happen. But he allows the Assyrians to wipe out everyone who's not trusting in him. And what's left are a small group who turn to God and are are ready to keep the covenant and become what he needs them to become. 
And that same thing has to happen with each of us. We will, we need to have most of our, or at least a good chunk of our souls wiped out, right? The fallen man within us needs to be killed, needs to be destroyed. And then there's that little bit that's left that is divine that will turn to God. And with that, God can do something. God can make us real covenant people who end up being exalted and become Christ-like or godly uh, because we got rid of the worldly and the not godly stuff, right? The profane so that only the holy is left. And, and I think that's what he's telling us we need to do. And in some ways, that purging you talked about, that weekly purging is doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully each week we, we are able to cut away just a little bit more of the world that's in us, the fallen nature that's in us, and have it changed into this godly element. Um, and it may feel like, and in some ways it is, having most of us destroyed. Yeah. But what's left is something that great things can happen with. Yeah. I mean, like you, like you read in, um, in that verse, whose substance is in them. Um, and so, like you said, like that substance is the light of Christ. It is our divinity and that cannot be taken away because like you said, we're never without hope. Why? Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, right? Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, there is always hope it might be small it might be like we're on the edge of of you know jumping off the cliff but but there is always hope because of christ it doesn't matter where we've been what matters is that we believe that christ is our savior and that substance that's in us will say like, yes, I I remember there's something in me that resonates with that. I am a child of God. I can do better. I can be better. And then as we grow and as we cut out that natural man, we get to the point where we say, I can be like Christ. I can be like God. And then that's what we work toward. So whether it is just... I am worth saving to, I can be like God. Like we, we have that opportunity every single day, every single week, whatever point we're on in that spectrum to have that substance within us speak to us and show us that little bit of hope or that great hope wherever we are because Christ atoned for us. And because he is our savior, it, it is, it's incredible to me that, that we, we are never lost, not ever. That's beautiful. That's, uh, that's fantastic. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the symbolism within that is, is so wonderful. It, I, I couldn't, I, that seems like the perfect way to sum it up. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's, it's a great chapter, really deep. Um, but, but at the same time, not like surface level, do this every week of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But then figuring out how to cut out the world and, uh, and 
go with that divine substance that's being transformed and, and grown by Christ, that's, that gets a little more complex, right? So, yeah. but, but you're yeah. right. Uh, beautiful stuff. Well, isn't Isaiah wonderful? And, and thank you for helping us see that. This has been fun and exciting for me. Uh, you've made it very real for me, very, very real. Uh, and open another layer of a chapter that I've taught about and talked about and written about dozens of times. And you've opened another layer for me. And that's the, the beauty of Isaiah, right? So and it is. Uh, and that's what we're about on this podcast is all of us just taking a, a look and saying, here's what I, I spoke to me. This is what was real to me. So thank you for that, Sam. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, truly my pleasure. I've, I've loved it and enjoyed it. And, and I hope that uh, our audience has also had at least some things speak to them in a new way and some new hope. And uh, maybe, you know, some people who also uh, could uh, enjoy this and you'll, you'll share that with them because uh, I, I know I've been edified as uh, Sam and Isaiah and the Spirit have taught me uh, together and I, I believe others will be as well. So thank you again, Sam. And Thanks to our uh, audience, and we'll see you.